The new year gave us no honeymoon period whatsoever. We have to jump right in and we're getting right back into our routine because this is the day we talk to our friend Jamie Court. Jamie Court had a very nice new year and he's back with us in our regular time schedule here. And we've got a lot to talk about right here into the new year. If you don't know Jamie Court, and I trust you do, go check out consumerwatchdog.org, consumerwatchdog.org, where Jamie Court is the president. But he's got a lot of great colleagues, and they do great consumer protection work. And Jamie, happy new year. Thanks for coming back, as always, on the Norman Goldman Show. Happy 2019. Great to be here with you for another year, Norm. Well, Jamie, we've got a lot going on as this year gets started in California, and this has national uh, repercussions. In California, we've got a new governor coming in in a few days. Man's name is Gavin Newsom. America got to know him when he was the mayor of San Francisco some years ago, and he decreed that gay people should be able to get marriage licenses. And so he ordered the county clerk to start giving them out, and that put him on the national map, and it got us all talking marriage equality. Quality, and we know where that all led. Gavin Newsom is the governor-elect. He'll be the governor. He's positioned himself more as an environmentally friendly guy, more of a green guy. Uh, Jerry Brown, of course, did a big PR thing. Jamie, you and I have spent a lot of time talking about Jerry Brown. But why don't we talk about a wish list for the new governor that can kind of set the climate agenda for America? Is there things that the new governor, Gavin Newsom, can do that Jerry hasn't done? And, Jamie, that's kind of an open, open question for you. Go right ahead. Yeah, there's a big there's a big uh, list of, of of items that uh, Governor Brown never got to, and it's largely because you know Brown was not a progressive. Brown was uh, you know I think a, a a moderate Democrat. He was close to the oil industry. He was close to the utility industry. He was close to the medical insurance establishment. He got things done. Don't get me wrong, but he certainly didn't carry out the expectations that many had when he first came into office, be it single-payer health care or ending oil drilling and fracking in the state or, you know, reforming uh, our medical uh, insurance uh, system and, and the medical malpractice uh, problems and quality care problems that have crept up that he, when he was the governor the first time, unfortunately, helped to uh, create conditions that, you know, made those errors go on because he signed laws limiting liability. Uh, Gavin Newsom has some some work cut out for him. He's, he's got a lot of work to do, and it remains to be seen, you know, what what he's going to put in his first hundred days and anything beyond that. Well, Jamie, I know that uh, Governor Brown did not stop fracking. I know there's still lots of oil drilling going on. Uh, is there a realistic chance that Governor Newsom, the new governor, is going to put an end to that? Uh, well, I think there is a chance that he would end fracking. When he was speaking at a, a debate, late in the campaign when it was pretty clear he's going to win, he um, said he was going to end fracking, uh, or he was ready to end fracking. Uh, he didn't, he wasn't, you know, he didn't declare that he would ban it. But I, I think fracking is something that could happen very quickly, maybe even with his first hundred days if he's smart. I know he's going to head up to Santa Barbara the end of January to take part in the commemoration of the one-year oil spill. It mean more than one year, but it's an anniversary of the oil spill mm-hmm. in, you know, Refugio Beach. I think it's a couple of years now right. from the pipeline that burst there. And he has an opportunity to say, look, I'm going to end fracking and I'm going to come up with a plan to evaluate all the oil wells in the state and stop them and, and stop the oil infrastructure to the degree it's possible. What can and he do on green power that Jerry Brown didn't do? And after all, I mean, we know Brown wasn't green. What, what can the new governor do on green power that Jerry Brown didn't do? 
Well, I think that the governor could, uh, first of all, you know, he's got to accelerate the drive towards 100% renewables. Uh, we set a 2045 deadline for it, but that's just like saying we're going to go to the moon without building NASA. Uh, the second thing he can do, you know, is make sure that we get out of uh, any uh, power uh, as a state that isn't renewable. And we got plenty of geothermal, we got plenty of solar. He can set some goals here so that the utilities don't have gas-powered, natural gas-powered uh, electric plants. Uh, that's something that, by the way, you know, it's a fossil fuel. We talk about natural gas, but it's a fossil fuel. We could close um, Aliso Canyon, which is a big fossil fuel natural gas reserve. Uh, it doesn't serve anyone's purposes. It's quite dangerous to the community. We could take a look at the pipelines running through the state on natural gas. We could talk about oil welling and that uh, oil drilling, excuse me, and oil wells. And he needs to put someone in charge of his agency called Dogger, uh, which is the Department of Oh God, geothermal something <laughs> uh, resources, Dogger, and uh, he could put someone in there who doesn't approve new oil wells unless we know they're safe and who doesn't approve them unless we know they're really needed, and maybe they're not needed. Uh, and that was something that, you know, under the Brown administration, that agency became a rubber stamp for the oil industry, approved more than 20,000 new oil permits. I mean, I think Gavin's going to be judged in part, in no small part, on how many oil wells he approves or how many oil wells he closes. Wow. You know, Brown approved over 20,000 new oil wells. Wow. Including offshore, over 200 offshore. That's not what a climate hawk does, right? So Gavin's got to start on day one and say, why should we approve any oil well? And, and issue an executive order toward that end. We shouldn't approve a single oil well. Uh, and we should look at getting rid of the oil and gas wells we have. That's a big, you know, that's that's a lot of regulatory function. That, that, that doesn't even need the legislative branch to implement. Brown was unwilling to do it, but, but Gavin could, and, and he should. We're talking to our friend Jamie Court. This is our first interview of 2019 with our friend Jamie Court, spelled C-O-U-R-T, like going to court, and Consumer Watchdog does indeed go to court, but they do a lot more. Check out consumerwatchdog.org, consumerwatchdog.org. Check them out online, and you'll see right there on the front page is a big discussion about California's new incoming governor, Gavin Newsom. And as California goes, so goes America. It may take a few years. And, Jamie, there's an issue here that's been kind of a burr in my saddle. That's about as Western as I get. Uh, we have been paying neighboring states to take excess renewable electricity off our hands because we apparently have been really good at creating uh, renewable energy, but we are lagging way behind in a feeding it into the grid apparently so that it gets used by everybody or alternatively making batteries work so that we can store the stuff for later use. And it seems to me a folly. I, I mean, I get it that there's a, a mismatch and a disconnect. We've been rushing to do renewable energy. I mean, I don't want to be so harsh about it. I can understand that there can be a temporary mismatch between creating the capacity and creating the electricity and having the capacity to use it or store it. But Jamie, we got to do something about that. Is there some chance that we can become the leader? California can become the leader in battery storage technology, which I think has got to be something that uh, clean, green, renewable energy has got to contend with. What do you think? Well, I think, uh, look, we, we, we are building batteries, and we have incentivized the building of batteries to, ha uh, to, to store um, 
renewable resources, uh, and that's got to accelerate. I mean, what's remarkable is, like, even LADWP uh, has, you know, three coal plants they're thinking about uh, bringing online. There was just a story that broke about how Pacificorp, which is a Warren Buffett utility, is charging people in California for three of its coal plants. I mean, we should be 100% off coal, and we often talk as a state about being 100% off coal. We're not really 100% off coal. And there's a move to go to a Western regional energy market where a lot of these coal barons can bring back their coal-powered electricity to California. There have been challenges at the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, which is now controlled by Trump, to our green power standards. So the, the next governor has got to say, look, we're going to keep California as a renewable island and not play into these ideas that many of the corporate environmentalist groups have been pushing, that we need to have a Western regional electric market, uh, which, first of all, would be based on speculation, which is a really bad idea. We learned this from the Enron age, and that was where the idea came from. We defeated it in the legislature last two years, but it's bound to come back. But second of all, it opens our state laws, which are very strong on a preference for renewable power and getting away from coal and getting away from fossil fuels. It opens them up to challenges in federal regulatory arenas where other companies like Pacificor can say, hey, no, you Californians, you got to pay for those coal plants because you're using our energy. We have a very small market with the other regions. It's called an energy imbalance market. Our laws are largely protected because it's a small market. If, we be- if it becomes a dominant part of the market, our environmental laws will go away. And the legislature almost fell for that last two years. G- Gavin Newsom's got to say, not on my watch. I'm no Jerry Brown. So he's got to do a lot to say, you know, uh, Gavin is green, he's not brown. And uh, I think uh, without saying it, his um, actions can show that he is truly a green governor. Well, Jamie, let's move over to Medicare for All because California, we've been talking about Medicare for All for a long time. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, your old buddy, when when uh, you really tangled with him for a long time, uh, he vetoed a Medicare for All plan that passed the legislature. Uh, they didn't have the votes to override, apparently. And so, you know, there have been plans that have passed in the last couple of years. One house passed it, the other one killed it, saying it's symbolic, there's no guts in it, you don't have any plan on how to actually make it work. Yeah. We've been talking about it and talking about it. Is Gavin Newsom the governor to kind of lead us into this so that we can set the standard for the nation? It's not clear. Uh, he wants to do it. He said medical insurance reform is his top priority. He's hired some people, very good people, who have some expertise in this area. And uh, a guy named Daniel Zingali, who was at the California Endowment, a few others, Angie Way, who's from labor, who've been involved in these debates. So it's very possible they prioritize this. But it is a hard, hard thing for a state to do without capturing federal Medicare and Medicaid money and getting a waiver from the federal government. So I think he can lead the way, and he should lead the way. But the expectation has to be that it's going to be contingent on a Democrat taking the presidency and giving California a waiver if the federal government doesn't adopt a Medicare for All plan for America. I think many of us think this is going to be front and center in the 2020 race, that the right Democrat who runs for office will have Medicare for All as their uh, mantra. I mean, the right Republican should have Medicare for All, too, but it's not likely given the guy who's in the office. So I think if we have a national mandate for Medicare for All, it makes a waiver for the state more possible. But there's no way 
pragmatically to implement a single-payer system in California unless we get a waiver from the federal government. Getting a waiver from the federal government right now on such a topic seems hardly unlikely. So we can take a big step there, and I think Newsom should take a big step there, but we can't get... We can't get the whole way without a change of power in Washington. That's the real issue. See, Jamie, this is the part that really kind of upsets me because a rational Republican, and there used to be rational Republicans, and I'm not getting—I'm not actually getting political here. I'm talking policy. Republican dogma for a long time was states' rights. Let's get power out of the hands of Washington and back to the, closer to the people. This is go. This goes back right to Thomas Jefferson and the founding of this republic. It's been Republican kind of basic dogma for decades. And certainly our lifetimes, that power should be in the hands of the state and the governors and the legislatures are much more accountable to the people, closer to the people. So it seems to me that if we had like a rational administration, they would say, California, you want a waiver? The states are laboratories of experimentation. I mean, that goes back to Lewis Brandeis in a Supreme Court case back in the 30s. So it seems to me that if we framed it as this is a matter of states' rights and a matter of state experimentation, that because we're all the states are laboratories of democracy, uh, why wouldn't Republicans want to go for that? Uh, well, I think they would. And, and ironically, you know, President Trump, when he was not president, but he was just Trump, wrote a book very eloquently saying America should follow Massachusetts and take on single-payer health care. It's the smartest way every other country does it. <laughs> I mean, the guy has said so many things that uh, this guy obviously there's nothing to believe there. But he wrote it. It's in black and white. Uh, he's for Medicare. And that just tells you that Republicans, right, are for it. Yeah, uh, I don't even know if he was Republican back then, frankly. But well, you know what I mean. I'm not. I don't know what he was then or now. <laughs> I, I don't either. Uh, I, 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 there are a few words, but I can't say them on the radio. That makes two but, of us. Uh, but Absolutely. That, um, Actually, it makes a bunch is, of millions of us. Yeah, Absolutely. The point is even guys like you know Richard Nixon, right, contemplated this, right? I mean, we're every other country in the world does it. It's smart. The only people who get hurt by it, or maybe the drug companies and the insurance companies and hospitals that make too much money. I, I don't really think the American people have a problem with that, since we're all getting hurt every day by a system that arbitrarily denies people care because uh, insurance companies and drug companies and hospitals don't want to give them the care they need. You know, dealing with these insurance companies is just, it's like order torture. You know, we've gotten some better rules. We've dealt with the system the way we could under Obamacare to make sure they can't deny us based on pre-existing conditions. They have to cover us by and large when, um, you know, there are certain conditions met and we pay our premiums. But believe me, we still work with people every day who fight every day to get insurance companies to cover something they're supposed to do under the law, and they're just waiting for them to die, literally, because if you have health care through an employer, an insurance company denies you coverage for something that's real expensive, says it's not medically necessary, denies you coverage, they mostly don't have to pay in court. There are no damages right. that you can collect from if your health care right. comes from a private employer. And so they know it's a waiting game. And they, they, you know, and, 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 and they, they still mistreat people every day, even though people pay premiums and even though people mm -hmm. have insurance coverage. They're not always covered. So we need a system that does better. It's not that governments, when they administrate claims, don't screw up, but they don't have a profit motive <laughs> to screw up and to deny claims and to delay claims. Sometimes there's incompetence, but, you know, you go to Canada, you go to any country in the world, and they love their system. They love their medical system. So I, I think this is, I think this issue is, the time has come, I think, 
Gavin Newsom would be foolhardy not to get as far down the road as he can. And he also, by the way, has to deal with these quality of care issues, the patient safety issues that Jerry Brown never wanted to deal with, but helped create in 1976. He basically created the first law of its kind in America when he was governor in 76, Brown, that, as you know, puts a cap on how much a victim of medical negligence can collect uh, for something other than a wage loss or medical bills. So let's say, you know, they, they're quadriplegic, they're a loss of their arms, they're uh, if a child dies and they don't have wage loss, it's, it's called uh, pain and suffering damages. And the cap put on all juries in America and in California is 250000 never indexed for inflation. Ever. Just in California, though. Just this in the California. state courts, right. Maybe uh, there may be, there are less than half the states that have some type of cap. There are mm-hmm. states like New York that have no cap, but mm-hmm. we've never even indexed ours for inflation. And Jerry Brown has cruelly and heartlessly refused to deal with this issue. Wow. and has threatened to punish people who bring it up even. And uh, now it's Gavin Newsom's turn, and he's got eight years, and he's got to look these victims in the eye who've suffered under the medical negligence and who've suffered under this law, and we're not going to let him uh, get away with going to term without having to look them in the eye and give them an answer about what he's going to do. He's got to do something. Jamie's got a very full agenda, and I'm really glad you went down some of the really big items. i got to leave it there. Time's always against us, but check our friend Jamie Court. He's the president of Consumer Watchdog, and check Consumer Watchdog at ConsumerWatchdog.org. Jamie, a very happy new year to you. Thanks so much for the guidance, and we'll see you again next week. Happy new year. Thanks, Norm.